Uh, all the teenagers are over there like, that was awesome. Grandma like totally peeled out. It's great. Hey, we're in our second uh, part of our series, Killing It. And uh, this message, um, may, it, it, it's gonna, it, it'll make sense to you, but uh, it would really make sense to you if you go back and watch last week's message. Um, this is one of those where it's like, this is a continuation of last week's message, and so I would really encourage you, you can, get, uh, you can catch up there um, on our website, thecrossingfellowship.com, and it'll link you to our Facebook page where you can watch this message, or you can uh, get on our YouTube channel. And, uh, and if you haven't subscribed to that, I would encourage you to do so, and that would be awesome. So last week, we talked about um, the fact that we should have like a midlife therapy football game to rid ourselves of anger where we can, you, we can hit one another. Um, I, was, I, I don't know about you, I have this problem where um, the desire to hit someone on the football field has never left me. It, it, it never has, and I have a, such a hard time um, being at a football game, and I just keep wishing, because I, I, I get nervous, so I walk the sideline, and I keep hoping that a player will come out of bounds, not fall down, and come out far enough that I can just hit him, and knock him down right there, and, and it's just, I know it's, something's wrong with me, you're just like, what is, Eric's got hanger issues, but so here's the thing, I got great news for you because to my knowledge, there are no midlife therapy football games going on, but uh, so I got great news for you. Guess what today is? Anybody? Today is National Can Crushing Day. This is, this is awesome. I got a couple of cans right here that are just like, yeah, you know? You just you, So you can go home on National Can Crushing Day, and you can crush some cans, get some anger out. It'll, it'll, just be, it'll be so therapeutic. It'll be so good for you. No one will get hurt in the process, I hope. But uh, anyway, well, last week we kind of introduced this emotion that all of us deal with and all of us struggle with, let's be honest, um, and how do we deal with it? And, and, uh, and, and as we, you know... You grew up, and I grew up in different contexts and different homes, and, and it was dealt with in different ways in, in our homes, and maybe it wasn't dealt with very well at all in your home, and so the example given to you wasn't very good, and you're just like, what do I do with this emotion? Because it is a powerful, powerful emotion, and it has the power to ruin our lives if we allow it to run our lives. Last week, I introduced you um, to Mr. and Mrs. Mug. So I introduced you to Mr. and Mrs. Mug. I introduced you to Boss Man Mug. He's always kind of grumpy. I don't know what it is with the bosses. Uh, I mean, and I introduced you to Kiddo Mugs, okay? And all of their different temperaments and all of these things um, come into play. But what we talked about is, is, is in anger, there becomes a debt-to-debtor relationship where we go along and, and things seem to be fine and we're, you know, in the first, we're putting our best foot forward and dating and it's kissy-kissy and it's all great and all of a sudden, we bump into one another. And, and, you know, Mr. Mug looks at Mrs. Mug and is like, what is wrong with you? You know, if you would quit doing that, these beads wouldn't come out of me. In other words, it's your fault. 
And she's like, no, if you would do this, and if you would do that, and if you would go over, if you would just do what I say, you know what? These beads wouldn't come out of me. It's your fault. You just keep doing that. And so they go off to work, and you know, and in Boss Man Mug, they all are bumping into each other, and there's beads flying all over the place, and and they're thinking, if you know what, if we would just get a different boss, or if we would just get a different job, or if, if you would just quit doing that, you know, these things wouldn't come out of me like that. And we think, if I get a different relationship, if I get a different job, if I get a new place, maybe if I move to a new town, if I just, if, if everything is, and nobody knows me, you know, if I get, nobody knows me, you know, wherever you go, someone's going to start to know you, and you get into another relationship, and you get into the new relationship, and you start bumping into each other, and it's like, what is going on? And we learned last week that the reason that the beads are coming out of us is because That's what's in us. And it's in us because when we were growing up, then, you know, there was things that happened to us and we weren't quite sure what to do with it and a little bit of anger came, you know, dropped into and we just kept it and, and we held on to it and, and, and Mrs. Mug kept it and held on to it. Two different situations and they go to the job and you know what? You can't really say anything to boss man. You can't really, because I want to keep my job and you can't really say anything so I'm not going to say anything but doggone it makes me so mad. And you know what? I just, I start internalizing a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and then I bring it home and all of a sudden it's spilling over into my children, it's spilling over into my children, and my children are like, what's up with all of that? And all of a sudden they're gathering more and more and more and more. And by the time they get to college and they get married, they're full of anger. They don't know that they are. They don't know that they're actually carrying it with them. And then they think, I know. I know what could fix this marriage where there's kind of some issues. Let's have a kid. Oh, that's a great idea, right? So this is a huge issue, and all of us deal with it. All of us deal with it. And And maybe you became a Jesus follower, and you're thinking... You know, I'm not supposed to be angry, so what do I do with, with what's going on? Should I just sweep it under the rug? You know, it just looks more spiritual if I sweep it under and don't really deal with it. So <clears throat> while I'm thinking about this, there are cards on your seats. I would love for you to, you know what, if, if in the middle of, as we're talking, there's a question that comes to your mind, I would love for you to write the question down on that card and then just put it in the offering box on the way out. And if you're watching online and there's a question that you have, would you just, you know what, put it in the comments because next week we're going to deal with some of those questions, all right? So would love for you to participate that way. But uh, we have this anger, and we're not sure what to do with it. So what is the antidote to anger? What, what do we do with it? Well, the antidote to anger is forgiveness. And I just lost, don't, don't shut the TV off. Don't, not yet. Come, stay, stay with me. Stay with me. Because here's the thing. I realize some of you are just like, yeah, oh, man, Eric, um, I've tried that. I heard that one time, um, tried that, didn't really work. Um, and in my, you obviously don't know my situation, because uh, I have like this on, and it just seems so irrelevant that, that I would forgive. So, you know, thanks, but this isn't it. So I, I, I need you to stay 
with me and all the way through this whole thing. And, and I'm going to hopefully help you not only give you some very helpful um, ideas of things that you can do with past experiences or, or past hurt that is there and you're not sure what to do with it. And maybe, you know, you're apart from that person or, or that group of people and you're a long ways from you haven't talked to them in forever, but it's still there and it's kind of undealt with. I want to be able to help you do with that. But I also want to help you deal with what do I do when I'm in a situation where it's like an ongoing thing. I mean, some of you have exes, and they have married now, so now you have ex-in-laws, right? Because there's children involved, and, and you're not, and so you're having to deal with these people on a, you know, maybe a daily or certainly maybe a weekly deal, and it's just, and, and, or maybe you're going to a, a job where, you know, it's just, there's some coworkers there that just, I mean, it is an ongoing thing. So what do you do? I mean, it, I, I get it in a sense where this is, maybe it's a one-time thing and it's done, but what do you do with this ongoing stuff? So here's where we want to start. You need to understand forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision to cancel the debt. Forgiveness is a decision to cancel the debt. So we talked about last week, there, we have a debt-to-debtor relationship. Anger is like, you know what, we were even. Something happened. There was an offense. You said something. I was hurt. You took something from me, and now it's a debt-to-debtor relationship. You owe me, and I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to make you pay. And, and, and we do this in all sorts of insidious ways, right? I mean, we emotionally you know, withdraw from one another, and we're secretly hoping, you know what, if I, emote, if I give him the silent treatment, if I give him enough of the silent treatment, he'll finally wake up to the fact that, I, that he hurt me, and, I'm gonna be, and he's going to finally be like, I'm so sorry, honey. Whatever it was I did, I am so sorry. See, if I make him pay enough, he'll finally be like, oh, Maybe I should go, you know, make things right. And, and so we, we emotionally withdraw, make one another pay, hoping the other person pays enough, they'll come my way, which doesn't even make any sense, right? I mean, and I see that, I've seen this in my own self. This is how sick your pastor is. So, you know, <clears throat> um, I, I, I have, and I've gotten better, okay? I've gotten better. But <clears throat> um, I really value a, a, a clean home. I really like things clean. And, and my my. My wife likes things clean, but not as much as I like them clean. And so <clears throat> when there's a little bit of a tivy, when there's a little bit of a tivy, I have been guilty of going over here and cleaning like a madman, like emotionally distant, like clean. You ever do this where you're just like, I'm going to show that person. I'm going to clean like crazy. In the middle of cleaning, I am going to make her kind of pay emotionally distant-like and hope that at the end of it, she'll be like, I am so sorry. Thank you so much for making my house so clean. You're such a wonderful person. Guess what? That doesn't work, in case you're wondering. It's sick, right? It's a little bit insidious. Your pastor has problems. See, all of us deal with this, don't we? And, and, and we make each other pay in some of the weirdest ways, and we have sarcasm, and, and sometimes we just blow up, and we have, you know, eggshells in the room, and there's this debt-to-debtor relationship that's established. Forgiveness is not a feeling, and forgiveness isn't for the other person. 
You're thinking, I'm not going to forgive because, you know what, forgiveness is for them, and I'm not going to do something for them. Forgiveness isn't for the other person. The forgiveness is for you, and it is a decision to cancel the debt. I'm no longer going to make you pay. See, to, to, to not cancel the debt is to chain yourself to the hurt and then drag it around into every single relationship you have, whether it's at, at work, whether it's with your children, whether it's sibling to sibling, whether it's, you know, your teenagers, everybody at school, making them all pay, wherever it is. And, and, and so to, to not cancel the debt is to chain yourself to that hurt and then, and then spill it out, leak it out, on everyone else around you. To not cancel the debt is to chain yourself to the hurt and oftentimes it leads to depression because oftentimes depression is anger that is actually turned inward. It might be anger towards yourself or is anger towards someone else and you don't know what to do with it and it just, it becomes inward and you, and, and you just stuff it way down deep inside and depression is a result and so your heavenly father says, hey, I want you to forgive. In fact, so funny because in Matthew 18, and we don't have time to go to that passage today. We're going to look at a different one. So I would love it if you would, if you would go and you would read Matthew 18. And uh, um, Peter, he's thinking, you know what? He, he was guilty of what we're thinking of. He, he's like, you know, forgiveness is for someone else. It's, it's for their benefit, not for my benefit. And so he, he must have had this issue, ongoing issue with this individual. And so he asked Jesus, he's like, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Like, I mean, seven? And, and Peter's like, that sounds really generous. I'm going to go really big. I'm going to go large. Like, like surely Jesus is going to be like, oh, no. You don't forgive seven times. Are you crazy? That's nuts. I mean, like, that's way too much. And, you know, Peter's thinking this is so generous. And, and he's thinking it's for them. And Jesus, he makes up this story. And in the middle of the story, Peter realizes, okay, this isn't, gonna, this isn't really turning out the way I was thinking it was. Because in the story, there's a king. And the king represents God. And, uh, and the servant in the story actually was Peter. And, uh, and, and so it, it, it goes on where this uh, servant owed the king millions of dollars. Now, we're thinking, man, if you owed millions of dollars in this day, that's ridiculous. You're never going to be able to pay that much. You think of it in the first century. Whoa, Nellie, I mean, that was so big. There's no way in the world the servant's going to pay. And, uh, and so the king's like, I'm going to cut my losses, and I'm going to make, you know, I'm going I'm to make you pay as much as I can get out of you. And so the servant turns, and he wants mercy. He begs for mercy, and he's like, I, you know what, I'm, I, just give me mercy. Give me mercy, king. And so the king extends mercy to him, and the text says that he chose to cancel his debt. Jesus' definition of forgiveness is canceling the debt. And, and you would think, you know what, that the servant would be like, oh man, I received so much mercy. I'm going to turn and I'm going to extend mercy to everyone else around me. So the servant leaves, he runs into this other guy who owes him just a little bit of money, 
And instead of, and he, and he, he says, you know, he kind of calls him on the carpet. He's like, hey, you owe. I want you to pay. And, and, and the servant's like, I can't pay. Would you give me mercy? And instead of giving him mercy, he throws him in jail and gives him justice and says, you owe me. Well, word gets back to the king. It's like, would, you're not going to believe what, what's going on. And, and the king is like, what? I just, I just canceled this guy's debt. It was so large. And he's not going to turn and extend mercy to those around him? And, and Jesus says, so when we choose to do that, God actually is coming after us. He wants us. He realizes this is such a huge deal because he loves us. He wants us to forgive. And it's not just like, you know, you know, forgive casually. It, it, it's like, he tells Peter, he's like, so Peter, the answer to your question, it's not seven times. It's 70 times seven. In other words, I want you to forgive, 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 forgive. But not, not just, you know, without any context. I want you to forgive out of the shadow of the cross, realizing that you have been extended extraordinary mercy, and we just remembered how much mercy was, ex was extended to us. And not turn then and, and demand justice from everyone else and enjoy the mercy for myself. And last week we talked about, you know, Paul, Paul talks about this, this anger issue and it, and it has the potential to, to control us and, and when it controls us, it turns into sin. We start mistreating people. And Paul says, I want you to deal with that. I want you to deal with the anger, not for the other person because it actually has the, 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 the ability to, to ruin your life and it will ruin your life because it's gonna begin to control your life. And as it controls your life, it's going to leak out over all of your relationships. And when your relationships aren't good, guess what? Life isn't very good when relationship isn't very good. Life is tough when relationship is tough. And when we don't deal with this issue very well, I guarantee you, relationship is tough. And so he says... I. I don't want anger to control you because you are going to, by allowing anger to control you, you are allowing the devil, you are allowing Satan a foothold in your heart and he is going to divide you. He's going to divide you in your marriage. He's going to divide you in your, in your, in your siblings, in your, uh, in your household and he's going to divide you at school. He's going to divide you at work. He's going to divide you in every relationship that you have in every group of people. And so at the end of that, he says, instead, this is what I want you to do in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Instead of that, I want you to be kind to one another. It's difficult to be heartfelt kind to someone you haven't forgiven. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you, there it is. You see, it's in the shadow of the cross. It's in the shadow of the cross that we lose our right not 
to forgive. And I want to be as sensitive to you as I can possibly be because I realize some of you that are watching online, some of you in the room, you have been hurt. And if you could come up here and you told us your story, I'm telling you what, we would be blown away by the hurt. So I don't want to be insensitive to that. I'm just saying, in the shadow of the cross, in the mercy that was extended to us, and the depth of that, to which we can't even wrap our mind around. If we could actually see it as it really is, I'm telling you, I think it would knock us to the ground in this moment. In absolute awe that God didn't make us pay. And the mercy that was extended to us, God just says, hey, I want you to extend mercy to those out there. But I don't want you to just necessarily forgive for them. I want you to forgive for you for your own emotional health and for the people around you. So I'm going to give you, in a little bit, I'm going to give you some super practical ways of how to cancel the debt in, 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 in doing that. Right now, I want to jump into a passage that I jumped in, that I came across. And one of the things I like to do is I'll read until I bump into something, and then I just, and then I just kind of stay there, and I, and, I, and I mull it around. And this is one of those passages that I ran into um, a while back, and, I just, and it's, just, it's just rocked my world. It just kind of just smacked me in between the eyes, and it was just like... This is it. This is so helpful for people that are dealing with, with forgiveness stuff that's like an ongoing thing. It's like, this isn't going away. And it could be in a, in a marriage where, I mean, it's just the marriage isn't going well, and it's just like they just keep hurting you and hurting you and hurting you. It might be siblings. It, it might be a parent and, and a child. It might be something at work. It could be something in school. It could be a friendship or neighbors. But it's just, it is just an ongoing thing. It's like, this is not going to stop. And how do I deal with this? It might be an ex-in-law that you're, that you're dealing with. And it's like, how, how do I deal with this? On an ongoing basis. Well, Peter, I think, gives us the model of how to do this in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21. He says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. God called you as a Jesus follower to do good. Even if it means suffering, and some of you, on this ongoing basis, it is suffering. That's how you would describe it, right? I mean, it is suffering. They just keep hurting you and hurting you and hurting you. And it's just, you know, you wish they would do this, but they want to do that. It's like they want to make you pay. They want to make you pay. They want to make you pay. And it's like, I want to do the right thing. And God's called me to do the right thing. But you just need to know, God knows that it's suffering, And he hasn't called you to do good until it's suffering, and then you can do evil. Which sometimes that's what we want, right? I'll do good as long as it's easy, but if there's suffering involved, (laughs) that's when I, you know what? That's when I retaliate. That's when I get a little revenge. That's when I make them pay. And and Peter's like, no, this is what Jesus wants you to do. He's called you to do good, even if it means suffering. And here it is again. Just as Christ suffered for you, Jesus is like, I'm not asking you to do something I haven't already done myself and I'm currently doing for you. Just as Christ suffered on the cross for us, and not just the cross, but 
all through his life and the suffering and the insults that he received and the continuing insults that he receives even now from millions of people and let's be honest, even from those who are following him and trying to do it well. (laughs) Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow in his footsteps. In other words, Jesus is going to give you the, 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 the footsteps. He's going to give you the example of what to do on this ongoing basis. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate. Jesus had all kinds. In fact, with every single individual on the planet, there is a debt-to-debtor relationship established. We owe and we can't pay, and Jesus has every right to make us pay. But Jesus did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. So here's this debt-to-debtor relationship with Jesus, and Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm not going to make you pay. I'm not going to retaliate. And in the people in his day that insulted him, he didn't make them pay either. So what did he do? (laughs) This next verse, I'm telling you, I I hope this is so freeing for some of you who are dealing with just this junk on 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 a daily, weekly basis. What did Jesus do? He left his case. Did he have a case? Oh yeah. He's got a case. And you know what? You do too, don't you? You have a case. And it's a legitimate case. I mean, if we gave you the microphone and you told your story, it is a legitimate case. You have a case. And there's something in you because of this case. I am justified to retaliate. I am justified to seek revenge. I am justified to make them pay. And Jesus, in the same way, has a case. But what did Jesus do? He left his case in the hands of God. Instead of taking control himself, he took his case and he just placed it in the hands of God who always judges fairly. In other words, I'm going to place this, God, in your hands. Heavenly Father, I'm going to place this in your hands because I trust you that you're going to make it right in the end. You are going to be the judge. I'm going to step away and say, you know what? You handle it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to seek revenge. I am not going to make them pay. I have a case, and it's a legitimate case. I'm going to place it, Heavenly Father, in your hands, and I'm going to allow you to deal with it, and you will deal with that individual or that group of people in your time. And I want to be free. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he is inviting every single one of us to do. So on an ongoing basis, you know what? They mistreated you. I'm placing that over into my Heavenly Father's hand. They, they said, can you believe? Uh, you know what? Heavenly Father, can you believe they said that? I'm going to give that to you. Heavenly, can you believe they said they did that? They just want to make me. You know what? I'm going to hand that over to you. <laughs> you see, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. 
we owed, and instead of Jesus making us pay, he said, hey, I guess, guess what? Instead of you paying, because you'll never get to, you'd never pay enough back, you'd never pay it, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay what you owe instead. I'm going to pay it. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we're healed. Emotionally, spiritually, we're free. We're healed. And I'm telling you, he wants you to experience that. That is why forgiveness is not necessarily for the other person. It is for you. See, Jesus had to die to cancel our debt. But he's not asking you to die, is he? He's not asking you to die for the debt. He's asking that you make a decision to cancel the debt and trust him that he'll make it right. I'm telling you, that's extraordinary. Jesus went to the extent of dying, and then he turns and says, hey, I want you to extend mercy. I'm not asking you to die for the person. I already did. I'm just asking you to cancel the debt. And then trust me, put it in my hands. I'll make it right in the end. Peter closes this part up. Verse 25 says, Once you were like sheep who wandered away. In other words, you wandered away and you tried to do you know, handle all of this stuff the way the world deals with it. I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to seek revenge. You know what? You did this to me. I'm going to do that to you. You said that. I'm going to do this. You know what? You did this. I'm going to tip, 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 tip. And we're going to live that way. And he says, once you were like sheep, that's the way you used to handle it. You're not going to do that anymore. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls, this inward part of us that Jesus so wants us to experience, forgiveness and freedom. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. We want it both ways. We want mercy and justice, mercy for me, justice for you. I mean, we want we want mercy and justice. We just want mercy for me. I mean, when I have an infraction, when I sin, when I do something wrong, when I offend, when I hurt someone else, when I say something, when I do something that, you know what, Jen doesn't like and I hurt her, what I want, when I see it and I'm aware of it, what I want is I want her to give me mercy. But when she does the same thing, what do I want? I want justice. And Jesus is just saying, guys, you, you, need to, <laughs> you need to take a look at the cross. You've been given mercy. I want you to extend it. So three things I think we have got to do. We, we have got to do these things. You must identify what has been taken. You must identify what has been taken. See, here's where we go wrong with forgiveness. One, we think forgiveness is a feeling. It's not. Forgiveness is a decision. We go wrong when we um, generally, we've been generally hurt, so we generally forgive. Mm -mm. That will not work either. What did they take from you? What is it that you want them to do? What is it that you wish they hadn't done? What was taken from you specifically because you are going to cancel it specifically? 
How can you cancel a debt when you don't even know what the debt is? You can't. And that's why some of you are, when I first said the antidote is forgiveness, you kind of brushed it off like, well, I tried that. It didn't really work. So identify it specifically, and then what has been taken from you? Identify it specifically, and then choose to cancel that specific debt. And here's my encouragement to you, out loud. You need to hear yourself say the words. I'm telling you what, this is something that I have had to do. Whenever I, you know what, become self-aware that there's anger in my heart, usually I have, I have imaginary conversations with whoever that individual is or group of people, and so that's a trigger for me that, man, there's some self-awareness of, I need, you know, there's some anger, Eric, in your heart, and you need to deal with it. And so, out loud, I will say, Jesus this individual did this to me. They took this from me. And I just want to say, because I have been forgiven so much that in your presence right now, I am canceling what they owe me. They don't owe me anymore. And when you hear yourself say, I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's powerful. And then Number three, refuse to hold the debt against them again. And there were, you, you, you might see them or you might experience something in that emotion and, and you just remind yourself, you know what? I'm not going to go back there. I'm not going to have that imaginary conversation. I've already canceled that debt. They don't owe me. So I'm not going to make them pay anymore. So some practical, practical applications, okay? Does this mean I never confront? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Of course you do. But here's what I would say. You should have difficult conversations. I mean, if you don't have difficult conversations, you're not going to keep short accounts if you don't talk to one another. It's like, man, that, that hurt. You know, that was disrespectful. That was unloving. You got to have some conversations, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's with your siblings, whatever it is. But here's what I would say. Before you have that confrontation, you need to go through the process of forgiveness. Forgive them first and then confront them because that will make this go way different. I'm telling you, if you don't forgive first, this may not go well because your tone is going to be woo. In fact, it might turn into a whole other thing that forgiveness needs to happen from that meeting because it so went so sour. Another practical application. Establish boundaries, not walls. See, when there's unforgiveness, it's just a wall, right? No, no relationship whatsoever. Forgiveness actually, you know, kind of makes the wall go away and there, there might be a fence and you're thinking, should I just, does forgiveness mean we just got to have like this, you know, trusting relationship again? And in some instances, it's like, no, 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 no. You have boundaries, you have boundaries around time. How much time are we going to spend together? You have boundaries around how much are we going to talk and communicate? You have boundaries around what, what are the activities we're going to do? You have boundaries, certainly. And maybe in certain situations, as trust goes, those boundaries, you know, get, get freer and freer. But for some, no. And for some of you, you this is a place where I, I see this with your adult children you, you, you divorced your spouse and you have adult children and now you've married someone else and, and your adult children are, are like, 
mm, how much of a relationship do I have with, with this new person? And you, you want them to forgive you. You want them to just get over it. But they're, they, they kind of have some boundaries. And you need to allow them to have the boundaries. And to the best of your ability that you would, you know, create as much trust as you can. And those boundaries hopefully will get less. And, 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 and you'll be able to have the relationship that you are so hoping that you can have. But yeah, there should be some boundaries. Practical applications. Declare out loud that you do not owe me. We covered that one. When you pray, you may pray with a clenched fist. They owe me this, Heavenly Father, but as I place it into your hands, I'm opening my fist, I'm releasing it. For some of you, you need to grab an empty chair and you need to sit down and you need to set that empty chair on the other side of you and you need to imagine the person who has hurt you so deeply in that chair. It might be your father, it might be your mom, it could be a sibling, it could be a boyfriend, it could be an ex-spouse, I don't know who it is. But someone has hurt you so bad, you need, to, you need to put them in that chair. And you need to go through the list. And you need to have a conversation. I understand this is a different kind of imaginary conversation, okay? Where you're not making them pay. You're going through the list. Here's what you've taken from me. And I am saying this out loud. You don't owe me any more. I'm canceling the debt. And I'm not going to allow you to control me anymore. That is powerful. And for some of you, this will set you free. And you need to do this as hard and as much courage as it would take for you to do that. Some of you need to write down what was owed. I mean, whether this is a, a, you know, an individual or a group of people, um, maybe it's like, whoo. Man, Eric, if I start doing this, I mean, uh, there's, there's some individuals, the list is super long. You need to sit down and you need to start writing it out. What is it that they owe? What is it that they have taken? You need to write it out, write it out, write it out. And when you get done, I would even encourage you to do this. When you go to Walmart or wherever it is you go and buy stuff, that you would buy a stamp that says paid in full. And when you get done, you know what? They owe me all of these things. Boom canceled, paid in full. You don't owe me anymore. And you fold that up, you stick it in an envelope, and here's some things you can do with it. You can throw it in the trash. You can burn it. You can nail it to a cross. You might even put paid in full on that envelope and put it up on a shelf where you will see it. And it will remind you that you canceled that debt that they don't owe you anymore. Some of you, you need to pick a spot on a road. Some of you, you are coming home from work and, and all of the stuff that's happening at work is spilling over into your spouse and all of your children. And you don't want that, right? I'm, I'm, you don't want that to happen. So here's the thing. You need to pick a bridge. You need to pick a spot in the road. You need to pick a, a mile marker. But 
that spot in the road, when you're having all of this imaginary conversation with whoever it is at work, and you're on your way home, at that point, you need to have gone through the process of forgiveness. Because you don't want to bring that home and spill it all over everyone else at home. So deal with it. That's how you're going to keep a short account. Some of you are working at home, and you're like, what do I do? You need to leave. Get in your car. It's like 5 o'clock. Whatever time. I get in my car. You know what? I go to that mile marker. I deal with it, and then I come home because I don't want that spilling all over my kids. That's how you keep short accounts. So, to choose to forgive is to choose to get well. My question for you, do you want to get well? If you're still watching online, do you want to get well? Because my experience is some people don't want to get well. They like being angry. In fact, if they don't get angry, the house doesn't get clean. If they don't get angry, then the kids don't do what they want them to do. And some people like to get angry because then they can get on Facebook and they can, you know, share their grievances and, and build an army and the, and the people around them are like, oh, you poor person. Oh, we're in your court. Yep, you owe them. You ought to do that. And they come off with their story. No, 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 no. Some of you, 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 like, you like the leverage. You don't want to give up that leverage of anger because there's such a leverage point there. And you can get on the phone and talk to your friends and, and tell them, he's like, oh, can you believe they did this and this and this and this and this? And you're gathering and they're like, oh, poor you, poor you. You like it. Do you want to get well? Your heavenly father wants you to have a clean heart. But in order to have a clean heart, you got to get good at forgiveness. And you got to get good at self-awareness of anger in your life. So crossing. Let's be a great church because all of this, deal with this. Let's be great at it individually. Let's be great at it corporately. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, you are patient with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for not making us pay when you had every right to do that. But not only, Jesus, did you say, I'm not going to make you pay. In fact, I'm just going to take it and I'm going to allow all of what was owed to us, I'm going to take it on me. That, that's extraordinary love. So I thank you for that. And Father, I pray for courage for some folks in the room today. They have been hurt so bad that, that the, the, it's going to take incredible courage for them to go through this process where they get their heart clean. So I pray for courage for them that they would do that. And then, God, I pray for courage for us to, once our heart is clean, to realize it's not just a one-time deal. It, it is an ongoing thing. So teach us to get good at keeping our hearts clean. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. 
And I have been looking forward to today all week. Um, I had conversations about last week and what you talked about with my sister and with a friend. And we would be talking because they hadn't heard the message. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, what? so what do you do? And I said, I don't know. I have to <laughs> wait till next week. So it was a major cliffhanger. And um, my friend was here today. And so she heard this. And so it was like answering a lot of questions for yeah. us from our conversation. Mm. And I'm sending it to my sister. But um, just to remind you, as we're talking, the note cards that we were talking about and you being able to leave comments, even while we're talking, if you want to leave a comment, I filled up mine um, yeah. with questions and thoughts so you can do the same. But um, a question I wanted to start with was, when you, you put forgiveness up there, yeah. I was like, oh, well, but that's hard. Yeah. And does it get easier? I think the only way that can get easier is the longer we gaze at the cross. That's the only thing I think can make it easier. Once I, once I can begin to grasp the amount that I've been forgiven, I think that's the only thing that can make it easier. And I think understanding how it makes me feel, how clean my heart is, there is a huge motivating factor because my relationships get way better, and that that should make it get easier. But other than that, no, <laughs> it yeah. could be hard. Yeah, there was a when you were speaking and you talked about we want mercy and we want justice for others, but how when we look at the cross, we see the mercy that we had, and my friend and I sitting next to each other, having this urgency of what do we do. There was, I mean, both of us had this sigh of relief of like, you're right, I have been given so much mercy. And um, when you were talking about Matthew 18, and um, I just wanted to put that out there again, because I want to go home and read over that again about being forgiven 70 times 7. And what would you add anything about that story about Matthew 18 and how that can affect how we forgive? Yeah, it seems kind of... There's a couple things out of that that are surprising to me. One, we think forgiveness is for the other person, and, and that passage is like, no, it's, it's not for the other person. Because Peter was obviously thinking he was being really generous, and, got, and Jesus is like, no, actually not. The other thing I think is surprising out of that story that Jesus made up to make a point was he's like, at the end of it, you know what, your Heavenly Father loves you enough if you don't forgive, He's going to come after you. And, and we're like, what? I mean, not only was I hurt, but now God's coming after me. But he, he understands the control that it can have over our lives, and He doesn't want that. And so He's like, you know what, if i got to get stern with you to, to go through this process, of forg- I'm going to do that because I love you enough um, to, to want you to, to live with a clean heart. Well, I'm looking forward to next week, and I just want to encourage you all again, please, that question, or even that I don't want to because of this, if you would comment those so that we can discuss it, because we're all having those same thoughts, and we're all having those same, but that sounds really hard moments, and so um, I just look forward to being back here next week with you and get to discuss further, so have a great week.